Couchbase is a distributed NoSQL cloud database. Since its creation, Couchbase has expanded into edge computing, application services, and most recently, a database as a service called Capella. Couchbase started as an in-memory cache and needed to be re-architected to be a persistent storage system. In this episode, we interviewed Ravi Mayuram, SVP Products and Engineering at Couchbase. To learn more about Couchbase, check out couchbase.com slash se daily. This episode is hosted by Alex Debris. Alex is the author of the DynamoDB book, The Comprehensive Guide to Data Modeling with DynamoDB, as well as the DynamoDB Guide, a free guided introduction to DynamoDB. He runs a consulting company where he assists clients with DynamoDB data modeling, serverless architectures, and general AWS usage. You can find more of his work at alexdebris.com. Robbie Bayuram, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Glad to be here, Alex. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And you've been on recently talking about different things going on at Couchbase. We're going to talk about this cool report that you came out with at Couchbase about enterprise adoption of the cloud, things like that. But before we get into that, maybe just start us off with a little bit about your background, what's happening at Couchbase, things like that. Well, my background, I've been here at Couchbase, CTO, running engineering other functions for almost nine odd years now. It's been a fabulous journey of building a modern database, truly advancing where databases have been. There hasn't been much innovation here for the last almost four. The last round of innovation was in the early 2000s, late 90s. And so it's been a fun time to be in this data-oriented space, as you know. It's all about digital transformation, which is all data, and glad to be part of this journey. I started my career writing some very low-level stuff for HP, doing operating systems work. And so from there, the career has sort of brought me over here and whatever I learned along the way brought most of the knowledge to what we can, how to modernize the database stack. So Couchbase, we are on a very exciting journey. We have been a successful company that's been around for almost 10 years now. And the journey from a very small startup of, you know, dozen odd people to now a public company has been a very exciting one for all of us here. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. Like the database space, especially what's going on with cloud and databases is really a really interesting one right now. It's cool to see some of that stuff. On that sort of topic, we're here to talk about the cloud and y- y'all released this report, the Couchbase Cloud Evolution Report in 2022. I have a few specific questions, but maybe just give me, you know, what's the overall feeling that you're getting? You talk to a lot of enterprises, I'm sure they're moving to the cloud, using Couchbase in the cloud. Like what's the feeling you're getting about cloud adoption? So I think basic thing is that, you know, cloud is, as you know, many of us have done a lot of stuff in the cloud. It's nothing new. It's been around for more than 20 odd years. But now it has come to a point of maturity where sort of the utility computing, we are in the sort of the first phase of it, so to say. And that's mainly driven by the cloud, everything being available as a service, as opposed to the good old days of sort of procuring your own hardware, procuring your own software, having the full-on IT experience, so to say. And that is now gone away to being things being available on demand, on tap. So it has gone away from the product, install, deploy, configure, that mindset to a service, that meaning things are on the tap. And the evolution is, first people started to go to the cloud for convenience. Now it is more mature where people are going there for basically metered consumption. Otherwise, you have always had to have this huge OPEX, CAPEX sort of discussions. Those have gone away to, well, I'll pay as I go sort of mindset. That's the maturity of the cloud. 
being able to offer you that ability to pay for only what you use. And it's got many different names, but I think something like serverless onwards, there are many ways to describe that movement. But that's where the industry is. And it's now gotten into the phase of adoption from being like early adopters and early majority to where it is coming to to use the classic convention of an evolution of any technology. It has come to a point of, you know, early majority to late majority and maybe even laggards adopting it at the early stages of that. And so then it becomes like a, you know, full on movement where pretty much it feels like the conversation is everybody is like, I got to have some of that cloud. How do I do it is the only question. You know, why should I do it is no longer the question. So that's the flip that you have actually. And the pandemic has accelerated that in a major way. And so it's fantastic to see. This is what many of us had built in the past, this whole model of elastic consumption-based computing. You want computing to be just along the same lines or where the rest of the utilities is, like you know, power and water and stuff like that. You turn on the tap and you use it. Computing should be the same way, which was not the way it was. Even now, it is not quite like it, but it has to get to a point of you just for, you know, plugging on a toaster, you don't go to your utility company and ask them to provide something more. You know, you just simply use it and then, you know, the billing comes at the end of the month and you pay for it. That's the hope. And in the case of software, there are a lot of other things to it because it's not just a commodity. There's a lot to be developed on top of it. And so people want to see certain details being hidden so that they can do their piece. Now they are left holding the bag of managing a lot of infrastructure, which is not their core competence. And that goes away with cloud so that they can concentrate their efforts on building what will add value to their business. And that's the journey. It's exciting to talk to many organizations which are also transforming. There are you know newer sort of leaders or the CDOs and, you know, the CTOs and CIOs are transforming to be people who can digitally transform. And so these are people who come with development backgrounds as opposed to people who used to typically be more from sort of IT and procurement sort of background. So those kind of stuff is changing. And so it's exciting. And everybody understands, you know, the data is the, is that, so to say, it's been said a while ago, it's a new oil in one sense and how to, everybody understands and how to sort of take it to the next level of evolution. Yeah. Let's talk about that specifically. Like one of the takeaways I had is, you know, lots of respondents were sort of specifically calling out, Hey, I want my database as something that's in the cloud. And like, yes. why is databases, why is data, like, why is that a focus area for enterprises moving to the cloud? Yeah. I think the biggest thing is that, you know, databases were sort of, the previous versions, the relationals and the most popular ones were built at the times when, you know, network was sort of not even available. They were all built like single node systems and stuff like that. Now to scale them and run them, many advances have been done, but they all require specialized skills. You know, you know, DBA is a function. And in one sense, in some of the transformation, that role hasn't gone away, but it has transformed to being like SREs, so to say. So now enterprises do not want to invest more of their time and resources in training people on newer technologies, so to say. I don't want to add more DBAs. I would rather sort of add more on the SRE side of the equation, so to say. So specialization is not required. So in the database area, the requirement is to say that, well, you take on the database-specific administration skills. We will have our generic SRE people who can actually do more of the stuff that is relevant to us, not just, it's like, you know, it's almost like using uh, automobile analogy. We are requiring them to be like both mechanics and drivers. 
Yep. And one interesting thing I, I found at the end of the report is like, hey, a lot of people are actually saying, I want more control over my database and managing my database than my cloud provider gives me, which is kind of, you know, interesting when I think about cloud and even <laughs> the points you're saying, like, hey, I want to get out of the DBA game and get into more of the driving game. Yes. Like, what do you think is driving that desire for more control? Very good question, actually. What has basically happened is that, yes, now I don't have to learn about specific database skills that's because it's taken care of in the cloud but then because of that now most of the sort of the movement in the cloud is actually led by developers in one sense so the, now they can go use since it's easily sort of available you can use whatever now all of a sudden what you end up seeing after a while very quickly is that now you have a sprawl to manage instead of just that one thing that you were managing earlier because many of the other options were not available or provisioned. Now, all of a sudden, people are using five, six different data-oriented infrastructure over there. It could be analytical, it could be a search, it could be a database. But at the end of the day, it's data management as a space, if you will. Now, suddenly, you're left with a situation of the sprawl and managing the sprawl there are three main issues that come over there. And so you're hitting the other side of the equation. Hey, how do I contain this? How do I manage this is a conversation there. The three issues become, one is just the fact that I have N different sort of database or data applications that are running, which I need to, number one, understand. Number two is that as a consequence of that, the threat surface area just became exponential. Now I have to, you know, how is the security of this data is the second thing. Third thing, which that doesn't directly come out from this, but people are beginning to understand, if you really think about it, what you're actually doing is that by consuming more of this, you are actually paying more in one sense because you created the sprawl, because mostly end up duplicating data and then now you're managing that data and there is a lot of egress costs that are like you did not think of it or maybe it was even okay when you started but when things mature it pretty quickly adds up and many cloud providers is not by design or anything it's nothing malicious here but generally because you started using there is no central way of accounting for all of this stuff that's the second thing that typically happens. How do I even know where are the different places where it is being used? If you go to your CIO or someone to ask the question, they won't be able to give you a concrete answer because there is no one classic way of, you know, rolling all this thing up. And so then you suddenly find that you're sort of overspending. And, you know, in this report you saw, enterprises saying on an average like they're spending about nine million dollars more and stuff like that then this is for a simple case of going from you know on-prem to the cloud they haven't really fully even leveraged what all they can do so i think it's in that where you're it's a good compare and contrast that you point out on the one hand you say look i don't want to manage and that's what they're saying but now you're saying managing in the cloud is becoming a bigger problem what is it so it's two different problems sort of conflating at a certain level. Yep. I, and I want to push more on that billing point and cost. You know, I hear a lot about cost overruns. It, it showed up in the report as well. You sort of mentioned how cloud becoming more like usage-based billing, more like a commodity like electricity or utilities. 
What are you seeing? Do you think people want that sort of pure commodity where, you know, it's like electricity, but it's also a little more maybe unpredictable, right? You find out at the end of the month, you have a big bill or do they want some predictability? Maybe you provision an instance and you have that sort of predictability on, hey, this is how much that instance is going to cost for the month. What are you seeing for people there? Yeah, I think it's, you know, this is the other tough part of the equation, which is that the paradigm that has shifted is that earlier you would go with, let me understand how this application is actually going to do in real life and let's go provision based on that. It was a huge discussion because there's a CapEx element to it and all that stuff. Now it is the other way around to say that it's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know how, is it going to be a bang or is it going to be a bust? I don't know. I'm prepared for both. So that's what the cloud is actually providing. In computer science terms, the pay as you go and all is like at a commercial level, but infrastructure-wise, what the core defining characteristic of a cloud is elasticity. It gives you the ability to expand as much as you need and contract when you don't need it kind of stuff, right? So... That's a very difficult thing to pull off at a certain level. So having that is not the problem. But like you're saying, how to manage that, to have discipline within that. And there are operational issues within that, which is that now that things are more easily available, it's the discipline of what you want to use and not just go use everything that is available. It's like kid in a candy store situation, right? you come back with a bag full of candies and some adult has to tell you that you can have only so much kind of stuff. So that's the transformation that it is sort of going through. It's a, it's a part of evolution. Perhaps the pendulum is a little bit more on the one side of sort of overconsumption. And everybody understands, but it's part of the maturity that people will have to self-govern and maybe the cloud providers will have to meet them halfway by giving them the tools to govern and within this is how it'll be achieved. And speaking of maturity, how are you seeing just like the knowledge gap, if that still exists? I mean, is it still pretty tough for these enterprises to find folks with the relevant skills? Is that getting better? What's that look like? Yeah, it is getting better, but it is still tough because what is basically happening is that the core skills that you had in the enterprise, you cannot cut and paste the enterprise stack to the cloud. That doesn't work. So you have an entire adjacent skill set that you need to build. It's not like somebody, you don't need to go sort of find, you know, it's not like you went from driving a car to suddenly it's a chopper. So you don't need to go buy a new, new set of skills for it. But it's adjacency. So you have to train some of it and some of it comes from experience. So in that lies the resource crunch, so to say. And so people have to be deliberate in thinking that, look, going to the cloud, what is the purpose of me going to the cloud? What the objectives I want to achieve? And from there, figuring out what should be the technology architecture. So many a times I have seen this mistake which is sometimes it becomes like a, you know, sort of IT project as opposed to a business initiative. So the one guiding principle people should use it to go to the cloud is what is the business outcome that you want? Because that gives you the discipline, that gives you the constraint that you're actually looking for. Otherwise, it's most like I would rather you would do it for the wrong reasons and then end up sort of in this situation of saying I'm paying too much for it. 
One other thing I thought that was interesting from the report, I'm not sure if there's anything here, but just the geographic variation in, in some of the responses. You know, it, it wasn't surprising to me. U.S. was leading, saying 65% of enterprises saying they're making progress in the cloud. You know, I think given the sort of VC environment and other things here, I think that sort of makes sense. But, you know, the U.K., they were the laggards at, at 46%, which is, a you know, a fairly big gap when we're talking about those kind of numbers. Any thoughts on, I guess, why U.K. and, and Spain is another one are having a little more trouble there? I wouldn't put it basically, even if you're sort of many of these companies, which you can see from these, they have a lot, very close tie in with the U.S. side of the thing. And some of the innovation that is happening there is actually perhaps getting to see hitting the ground in the U.S. first and U.S. more, both as a consuming market, as well as, you know, like you correctly said, the infrastructure being available because of so much funding having gone into it. Both are more easily available, perhaps in the U.S. first, and then other geos. But they will, it's a matter of time, and they'll catch up because it's a lot more democratized now, unlike in the past. So it'll spread faster. But I would say that no matter where you start, the market that you tend to serve first is in the cloud. At least it's more U.S. So perhaps that's where that data is pointing us to. I'd like to just shift gears a little bit and just talk about, hey, you're an executive leader at Couchbase. You're providing a cloud-based service in Capella to your customers and, and get a feel of, of what that's like. So I mean, like, what's hard about running managed databases for customers? What have you all learned there? I think so many of the cloud-oriented stuff when you go, one of the things that typically happens is that you do a lot of stateless stuff, so to say. So you can sort of horizontally scale, which is very easy if it's a stateless systems. But a database is the thing that is all about state, because you would say, I'll find the state from the database. Now, to scale this system and offer that, when you say scale, we end up always thinking about only one side of it, which is more. But in this case, it's both that, you know, it could be that on the, you know, Thanksgiving Day and Christmas, it's going to be 10x the volume. The rest of the days, it's like one-tenth, right? So this system that we are sort of providing to our customers has to sort of handle it with this gracefulness of wanting only, let's say, just to make it physical. You will need only one server on you know 363 days of the year but for the other three days you basically have 2.x days you have you know you need 100 times that capacity or 10 times that capacity that elasticity to make it happen seamlessly underneath the covers is the i think the learning for us how quickly can you do it how effortlessly can you do it and how cost efficiently can you do it? These are the set of problems in that at the end of the day, the appearance to the consumer, the developer in our case is serverless, as in like, I didn't have to do anything. I just have the database endpoints for writing data, retrieving data, doing all my you know magic with that data. And the rest of the sort of the scaling, the upgrade, the patching, the maintenance, all of that literally is sort of taken care of underneath the covers, which, which means all the way from operating system upgrades to, you know, any software that you are using along with the database 
all that stuff, the management of all of that stuff sort of comes under your purview and you have to give the five nines availability of it and the geographic distribution of it so that, like you said, the same thing has to work in the U.S., maybe more consumption here, but the consumption in EMEA or Asia is not that far behind, but it is. So you got to sort of now manage those systems, their capacity differently from the capacity here. So those are all the learnings for us. And, you know, currently in our journey, we are, you know, I always say databases themselves, in our case, we will go in this direction as well, is they came from, again, use like an automobile example, they came from manual to automatic to autonomous. That's the journey of automobiles, so to say. Similarly, where we are in the database journey as an industry is the same thing. Things used to be very manual with databases with, you know, manual specialist skills required to a place where we have reduced a lot of that by making things more automatic and where we will go as we proceed in this path of making it more consumption-based, more autonomous, where the system can tune itself, self-heal itself. A lot of that is built in, but we have to serviceify it so that it becomes easy for our consumers to see these things happen effortlessly. Absolutely. What's your relationship with the major cloud providers? Is that a pretty collaborative relationship? Is it, I mean, it's, you know, kind of friend and foe in, in some of these cases, I guess. But what's that like? Co-opetition is, I guess, the term that is used in all these places because the cloud providers definitely want more of vendors like us to be available, only then they are sort of generic and usable under multiple circumstances, so to say. So in that regard, it's very collaborative sort of relationship with them. But at the same time, as you know, all the cloud vendors also have their own database as a service. So at that level, it is the competition part of it. But more choice is always good for the consumer and we believe we have the strength to offer uniqueness or other competitive offerings. And so it's so far, it's been a fantastic journey for us to work with the cloud providers. They have been great partners. Yeah. Has it been difficult to build sort of that operational infrastructure on multiple different clouds or what's that challenge been like? It's definitely a challenge because multiple clouds have sort of evolved over the last 20 odd years. And there is sort of, you know, no classic standardization of things over there. So in that regard, you know, having, a, we say we are cloud or cloud vendor agnostic. That's one of the advantages you have with, with a database like ours. So you develop on this, you don't have to do it three times. We take care of this running on all the clouds. So you are abstracted from it, so to say. So in that we have a classic set of problems to solve, which are some are sort of generically solved, but there are a lot of vendor-specific ones that we end up solving because the APAs are different or the security model is different and stuff like that. So that is learning for us there. And that is currently it's the development. There are a lot more uniqueness for each of the cloud that we need to solve. As they mature, I'm sure things will become that much more standardized, which will simplify this whole thing. Absolutely. One other question I have, I don't know how well formed this is, but you know, Couchbase is, is open source database, always been open source. You can run it yourself mm -hmm. if you want to, which is great. 
you know, now that you're providing like a managed service, does sort of that open source-ness of it conflict with the management-ness, not like in a, a revenue way, but just like, hey, there are some optimizations, even like an architectural way. I would say there are like some optimizations that maybe your team could do, but would make it harder to run just from an open source perspective, right? If I'm running it for a single client, whereas you all are running it for hundreds and thousands of clients, like, is that a problem you face or how do you think about that? No, not at all. Because in one sense, if you go in that direction, what you're implicitly saying is that, look, then I want to run my own database instance, which means you need to have those skills and you have to, you're taking on the responsibility of the uptime, the management, the upgrades, the all that other stuff that comes with it. So you need specialist skills and you're vested in sort of developing that, so to say. So there is a class of sort of people, but it's not the open source discussion that is open source is mainly to ensure that developers can pretty quickly put things together and they have a way of sort of trying before buying kind of situation right that's where that helps work now the delta is like this which is that we give you the choice to run our database platform in your data center you have the option of able to run it in your data center or in the cloud or we'll manage it for you that's the management spectrum of it you know, how much hands-on or hands-off you want it to be because there are certain use cases where you want to be pretty hands-on because that data is so dear and I need to be controlling that. Many enterprises are still there. In fact, there are enterprises who would actually, who have been asked to show an off-ramp from the cloud before, you know, going to the cloud. How would you achieve that? It's a very valid question because there are government regulations or there could be security issues based on which you may decide at some point that this data should not be out in the open. It needs to be totally in our control. Right? There are many industries of that nature, finance, healthcare, and stuff like that, where that's a huge. So why I'm saying that is then the really mature companies will have all these three models because they are big, they're multinational, and because it's got a geo component too which is in certain geos, I don't want to run it in certain clouds because for geopolitical reasons, I would rather run it. So it's going to be mixed, but there are a lot of places where a small to medium and other companies who can, they don't want this. For them, a managed service has a lot of, not just when I say small to medium, it's not about a company thing. When you, when you, when you want to try something, when you're building something, you don't want only when it is mature and it is it's got a life cycle and only when you go through that you realize that i need to have specialized skills until then for your dev test prod kind of stuff the way we build it it you can offload you know you can get to that point of investing in it only when it is really in need as opposed to right now you have to start with that investment which is where many people to your original point that many people are saying i don't want to deal with that you deal with this that's where it begins. And there are some cases where they want to deal with it. That's also available to you. That's how we treat this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is an exciting time, as you're mentioning, for databases, an exciting time for, for Couchbase with having this managed service. I guess, like, what are you excited about over the next, I don't know, couple of months or a couple of years, whether it's features or technologies or anything like that? What sort of gets you excited? Yeah, I think there's a big and we have a long way to go. And there are a few Trends, which are very interesting from this perspective of being in the data space, is very exciting for us, for what I see. First is this, you know, decentralization of the cloud or more things becoming more edgier, if you will. 
And the definition of edge itself is sort of evolving, which is a network edge versus the real industrial edge or domain-specific edge is also sort of evolving. And so in both these places, it's about distributing the data. So people have come to the conclusion, have understood that if you have a centralized data, then the lag of that data being available to you at the moment of engagement, that's little too much these days. Because there's a lot of data and there's a lot of compute to be done. Yet you are carrying in your back pockets, you know, phones which have amazing processing and storage capabilities. So why not sort of use that? That's one side of the edge. The other is basically even the cloud. It cannot be sitting in these, wherever these data centers are. They need to be close to where the network's sort of edges. And so in that, there is a lot of innovation. And we have a distinct edge over there in terms of distributing the data we have ability to do sort of with a click of a button in a microseconds, move the data to the new frontiers of edge of the cloud, as well as we have the the mobile database and the sync capabilities to move it to the edge. So a lot of amazing IoT use cases that we see and the excitement of, you know, what can happen there all the way from processing the data edge at the edge, finding insights and intelligence at the edge and taking action right at the edge without you having to come to the sort of do a centralized way of doing it. Amazing amount of work with a distributed way of doing stuff. And this is one element which the next generation of applications are also going to, which is called the WASM model and all that stuff. So there is amazing stuff that's happening where we can participate. That's one side of the equation. Other is this AI bit. You know, what has really happened is that just to use that same automobile example is that you know, when you go from manual to autonomous, it's actually the car that's driving itself. You're there just to supervise, right? That's the flip there. So what that really means is that the data that is mainly generated on which you're doing, earlier it was to assist humans. Now, machines are producing the data, not the humans. And so that volume and variety and this, the speed with at which this data is getting generated is something which some of our old databases were not built to handle. They were built to handle the human scale, not the machine scale. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. Ravi Mayuram, CTO at Catchbase, thank you for joining us today.